This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef's vegan recipes are full of plant-based proteins and wholesome sides. Go to greenchef.com slash nomeat130 and use code nomeat130, that's nomeat130, to get $130 off plus free shipping. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Nomeat Athlete Radio. Matt, I, I took my five-year-old skiing for the first time last weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. I Every winter, I, I'm inspired to do that uh, with my kids, and I haven't yet. Because, I mean, I guess part of me, there's a lot of reasons. I don't do it like my son in soccer, and I'm worried about you know a knee injury or something. Uh-huh. Um, but really, deep down, it's because I just I just don't want to do that. I just like with the kids and like <laughs> going through that first day. I just remember how hard it was to learn to ski. So to imagine being on the other end of being the parent, uh-huh. it just seems like a nightmare. Well, you may know this about me. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, in college, I, I taught skiing for three years. I did know that. Yes. And, but, and, you know, when I say I taught skiing, what I really did was babysit four and five-year-olds um whose like parents that, right? would, would dump them into ski school quote unquote <laughs> ski school uh where you know there'd be a group of five kids six kids and uh one teacher and we would haul them all out put their skis on and then uh maybe take two little trips down the down the if you could call it a hill and more of a a flat land that you know, you know, where, where you're learning how to ski right. for the first time, yep. uh, and then one of them would uh, start crying or or wet themselves or whatever, <laughs> and then we'd have to like scoop them all up and take them back in, um, you know. So I mean, it, it was uh, that was at least the the first year at, over the over the course of my tenure at uh, at this particular ski school, I I moved on or graduated from the group classes to kind of one on one, but still with kids. So okay. you know, I mean, it was. <laughs> I I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it mostly for the camaraderie of my uh, my peers and uh, getting to ski all the time. But um, it took me. I mean, for whatever reason, teaching my own kid, I you know I would have said I would have taught her at two years old or something, three right. years old. Now right. she's five, and this is the first time getting her out because of exactly that. I was like so nervous about. I just like the, the dread of of having to manage all of her gear and get to the thing right. and get the right. ticket and you know all that stuff that like as an adult you can streamline pretty well and you can just like handle it but then also having to deal with a kid who's cold and hungry and uneasy about the yeah. boots and all that stuff like it just for whatever reason i just <laughs> i kept putting it off but we did it and it was <laughs> awesome it was so was good it? yeah she killed it we did we took that like awesome two runs down the magic carpet area you know the like mm-hmm. really beginner slope right and it and i could tell she was already getting bored she's like I, you just you could just see it in her face she's like you want me to do this all day <laughs> right, right um and so we we were like all right i'm just gonna take you up take you up a real slope a green you know a beginner right. slope but uh go on the lift do the whole thing and a couple runs down of me kind of going backwards in front of her and then uh-huh before long, she was uh, leading the way and making turns and doing wow. her own pizza and everything. Pizza so. so I was going to ask, do you, are you a, do you call it a pizza guy or a snowplow or wedge? What's well, your, with, I, I started out calling it a pizza because I have this whole thing that I had memorized with the kids of, you know, oh, okay. you like stand there, you make the pizza, you put on different toppings with your finger, do all kinds of stuff. Ah. Um, you know, like I, I did this whole thing and she goes, no, daddy, I think it's kind of like a backwards mermaid fin. <laughs> and so so it turned into a mermaid fin <laughs> i was like okay you know if that's if that's what it gets you excited then we can we can make it a mermaid fin right wow so it worked it was a success it was a huge success i mean, I mean it was maybe one of the, like the most proud dad days of my life wow that's really <laughs> yeah. good that's amazing i know it was a huge success we're gonna go back next weekend wow okay well now i have one more more data point that says i should do it yeah, you just. You I mean, just I like do it. like here's the extent of my. It, I don't know what it is. Terror of this is like I, when it when it snows. It's like for me the worst part is like I got to think about getting everybody dressed to go mm. play out, mm-hmm. including myself, and go out there in the snow and be all cold and all that. and like. I don't know. So to imagine that and then and then the whole skiing <laughs> on top of it, but I 
I really want to. Like, I'm, I know I'm, I'm, you know, kind of goofing around here, but I really do want to do it. It seems, it seems like a fun thing. Yeah. Uh, it just, it's just like a big effort. You know, it's just, it's just a huge thing. So it is. It shouldn't so, be that big, but. So I'll give, I'll give real quick thirty second advice of okay. things that I did that Good. I think I'd were, were, were worthwhile. All right. So we got the skis ahead of time, so we didn't have to deal with like renting skis that morning mm-hmm. for her. So That's that good. was just uh, right. you know, so what just, you went to the, you went to like a ski shop kind of place. We actually borrowed them from a friend, but but okay. but I had planned to yeah. There's a ski shop in Nashville that uh, mm-hmm. I was just planning to, to get them the night before, and even if, if even though I had to pay or I would have had to pay a, a little bit more money yeah, just seems, to like seems smart. Yeah. So and then from the parking area, I she wore her like her small shoes. Oh, the other thing was I did I brought a backpack and I brought hot chocolate. I brought snacks. I brought. A sandwich. I brought all the things that uh, some cookies, some some cookies for the lift in case mm-hmm. she was like down. You know, just like all the treats right. and things that if she was cold and miserable and tired, then like I would just treat her. This was a day of treats. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and in the backpack, I put her her boots. So I didn't make her basically walk from the parking lot to the slopes in her boots. Right, because that would have immediately just ended the day, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so we I just carried around her like little shoes all day and in, in my backpack, and um, and that made a big difference. But I could have, you know, in hindsight, I should have probably like rented one of the lockers or something, so I didn't have uh-huh. to do that. But mm-hmm. um, just basically, my, my yeah, and and layers, and having a place to like store layers and give layers when she mm-hmm. needs them, mm-hmm. that was that was huge. So take out all of the, uh, you know, think ahead of all the things that are gonna be hard for her right and uh and try to minimize those and you know i'm sure that next time it'll be a little bit less of that and the next time it'll be a little less because she'll have a better understanding what's happening but um yeah i wanted to i like it yeah but it was good good. you should do it yeah it's fine like literally like 20 minutes before this holden my son was was saying he badly wants to go skiing or snowboarding either one because we've been watching the olympics and it's Mm -hmm. you know fun and cool uh, and I keep having this dilemma. So actually, I'm wondering, like, you might know this. Is, maybe maybe the risk of skiing is kind of only once you get good enough to, like, take risks. And maybe yeah. for these kids, you know, there's not likely that they're going to end up twisting a knee or ankle completely the wrong way. Is that is that accurate? Or is that just wishful thinking on my part? Uh, I'm, I'm just guessing here. But I can, I, it would be hard to imagine Holden going fast enough to, like, twist his knee all the way around. Mm-hmm. to get that bound up on your first couple runs. I will say, I broke my wrist uh, snowboarding for the on my very first run. Oh, yeah? <laughs> so so there is there is obviously a risk, but, you know, like, Eliza's falls were so dainty. I mean, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah. she's going so small, she just kind of sits down. Right, right. Um, I also hmm. did, and, and Holden might be a little too big for this, but Ellery probably isn't. Um, I also did those, those ski leashes things. Uh-huh. Uh, which, uh, as a as an instructor in college, I used to judge parents so hard for because because it just it te- you know, I was afraid of how it like would pull you backwards instead of teaching right. you lean forward and right. and right. just like I don't know I just judged parents really hard for that but uh, they were so it was so good because it gave her all this confidence knowing that like she wouldn't ski away from me mm-hmm. um, and and that was you know for her to lead the way on on the third you know, right. trip down the mountain. Like there's no way she would have done that if we didn't have those things. And, and, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, I'm a huge fan of the ski leash now. Wow. Okay. Good. I like this. You're like the, uh, the guests that now and then inspire me to want to do something. <laughs> and I, and I shift while we'll do it. the podcast. You should do it. We can go together yeah. if you want. I, I can even teach you. I can even teach your kids. Would you, could you like come do all the uh, preparations and things, like get, get them the boots and everything and get them dressed that day? No, I, I'll be just like, just like when I got paid to do it, I will be waiting okay, for you so at I the just slope. Go off and, okay. <laughs> I'll be in the lodge just drinking beers and you can I'll be watching out the window yeah. while you teach me to ski. Uh, if only the parents knew how hungover I was during most of those times. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. All anyway. Right. More serious matters. Well, we're talking about kind of changing things up, doing things a little differently, right? Yes. So I, uh, in the past month, have really, have really gotten going with fitness stuff. Um, I, I, we talked a lot about it, and I, we had the long blog post, series of blog posts, whatever it was, where I wrote all about how last year was like a huge transformation for me, kind of a getting back to fitness 
and and now like I'm kind of viewing that whole year as like basically the building of a of a base. Um, not you know not maybe not quite the same as an aerobic base that you'd build by running very slowly, but maybe not that different. Uh, which is partly what we want to talk about. Uh, but like I feel like because of that whole year, you know, I did this. I did that uh, five five hour run on New Year's Day, and just like since then, I felt like. I'm completely back to where I was and I'm, and I'm not completely back to where I was as far as like running paces and things go, but I feel like I'm in shape enough to like do things. Uh, and that's really good. So what has, what particularly like has lit a fire for me is I mentioned this in one or two episodes, um, that I always used to, so like no secret that for me, the, the challenge of running is the boredom of, of long runs. And I, I don't know if it's just purely boredom, but like, the boredom makes everything else so bad that mm-hmm. I that I just hate doing it, and I I've tried through the years, you know, d- listening to different things, and, and I definitely can find things. And if I've got a race that is exciting enough for me on on the calendar, uh, then I can I can manage this. But the problem is after I ran my hundred miler in twenty thirteen, uh, you know, just nothing seemed that exciting because there wasn't there wasn't a big exciting like next step to do that had always been interesting to me. It was just like I had kind of done the thing that I wanted. So hold on, on yeah. your years long journey to qualify for Boston, mm-hmm. did was this ever a problem, or was it not until you started doing ultras and kind of slowing things down a bit? And... Um, it it was always a problem. Like I I always just hated the the long run day uh-huh. for sure. And even even like the in the middle of the week, like once the training plan, plan keeps creeps up to to five or six miles instead of just three miles, mm-hmm. uh, I just I don't know. I just I just hated it. And I just, and, and like, I don't have, there's something about runners that they just love, many of them, like you probably, you know, actually just enjoy the act of running and being outside sure. and doing it. I don't have that. I never have had that. The enjoyment that I have gotten from running is about the the progress that I'm making towards the, the goal. And I always enjoy the race day. Like, that's fun. The 100-mile race, I loved. It was it was enjoyable because it was like, that was it. That's what I've been training for. Um, and so somehow the boredom wasn't a huge factor then. But... Yeah, but after that though, like I just I just couldn't I don't know. I just couldn't imagine justifying the the pain of those long runs for me. And and mostly I mean mental pain and just sort of the opportunity cost of on a weekend not being able to do all the other things you might do on a weekend during those three or four or whatever hours. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, so that that was, you know, largely I think why I stopped running. Um but back then, and I because I was aware of this back then. I had I had read about CrossFit endurance in Tim Ferriss's book The Four Hour Body in two thousand this was late two thousand ten it came out I think, um, and in it so so in in this book there's a section about running an ultra marathon, which Tim Ferriss actually apparently didn't do I think uh, he, he got injured, which is the first kind of warning sign here that that like the, the, right the program he was suggesting and it, the, the spirit of that book is every chapter is like you know, takes the, the common knowledge about a, a particular thing and throws it out the window and turns it upside down and, and like hacks the way to do it faster and better. And a lot of it is cool. Like they're good, interesting ideas for sure. And he talks to a lot of experts, but so the idea with, with endurance training is this CrossFit endurance thing, which is, was started by this guy, Brian McKenzie. And the whole idea for that. And so like the, the claim in that book was that the CrossFit endurance, hundred mile ultra marathon athletes would do a ton of like 800 meter repeat type work and the farthest they would go in their training would be half marathon distance but they would do it all at a pretty high intensity so there was no there's no long slow distance in this crossfit endurance thing um which means all the workouts are hard and painful in a physical sense and certainly a mental sense because it's taxing and hard to do but but that out there for hours just kind of passing the time while your body adapts that's not part of it and you know there's a ton of justifications for why this should be but anyway we get into that in a little bit um but so i i was really curious about this and back then i googled a little bit wasn't willing enough to like start crossfit because i had i had a crossfit bias i think and i just didn't want to go like get involved in crossfit but i just in my own way tried to do internet search try to find this stuff about brian mckenzie and stuff and i couldn't find really almost anything about the actual method. I couldn't find any real plans other than the sample one that Tim Ferriss had in the in the program. So I like wrote a blog post about this on Nomad Athlete. I think it was called Could Your Long Runs Be Doing More Harm Than Good? Mm-hmm. And that is definitely one of the 
questions that CrossFit Endurance asks and part of the motivation for this kind of philosophy because in many ways, you know, there there are, you know, a lot of run, runners get injured uh, each year. doesn't mean it's necessarily because of long runs, but like Jack Daniels, the famous uh, running coach, he, uh, there was some study, nah, I'm sorry, I should have been more prepared with this quote to, before I said his name. There was some kind of study, forget Jack Daniels, um, that looked at like a bunch of runners in the, I don't know, 1980s or 1990s. And, and they, I think some of them were good top-level runners and some weren't. And they looked at them again in, in 2020. And the ones who, not 2020, recently in the 2010s maybe, the ones who had the least injuries were basically just the ones who had run the least miles. Like the ones who were, <laughs> who were the healthiest had, had just been the ones who ran the least. Um, and Jack Daniels said something about the, basically that, 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 yeah, like that's if, if you don't want to get injured, then just run less. Um, so I, I should maybe while we're talking, I could find the actual quote and say it correctly because that's not at all it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but their whole idea is like all this mileage, all these injury rates of runners can't be good. Let's find another way to do this. Um, and and the big, well, I, this I didn't want to get into this until later, but like their big, the big objection is like, if this is so good, like like can this really be the best thing for the best way to train for? things and how come we don't see pro marathoners doing this or people winning a lot of races with this crossfit philosophy but the answer to that is that they're not they're not saying that it is the best they're saying for someone who wants your body to come out of you know marathon training or ultra marathon training or whatever um in in better shape not just because you haven't got injured but also because you develop strength in all these other areas and and sort of relied on that strength to you know get across the finish line um that it's better in that way and that 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 type of training like the the, the type of training that that a pro marathoner do say who's running 100 plus miles a week and 80 percent of it is long slow distance like just because that's the best way to get to that level it doesn't mean that that's therefore the way that someone who's gonna who's you know much much more recreational level runner should optimally train um it's like if you don't if you're not willing to put in those kinds of hours if you're let's say you're only willing to put in say say two hours of actual running time per week what's the best way to do it and the crossfit endurance argument is the best way for do that is get your heart rate up and interval training you know for as much of that two hours as possible uh rather than than having to put in hours and or you know wasting those two hours just doing long slow distance so if you're going to do less running the argument is you're better off doing this kind of running than the the long slow distance running so that's uh for me, that was like, well, I'm kind of jumbled here in, in order of things. But I tried this back in the day. Just tried my own thing. Without an actual plan, though, I couldn't, I just didn't have like a, maybe the discipline to actually stick to like doing hard workouts all the time. Um, so I, I did a 50K with very little, with basically with no long runs, just a bunch of interval workouts and stuff like that. Uh, and it didn't go very well. But it was, it, you know, I, I remember I went too fast. And after 10 or 15 miles, I was just really kind of done um and so i ended up walking a lot of that 50k and it just wasn't wasn't a good one at all uh and after that you know i had kind of like scratched the itch of curiosity and said okay that you know that didn't work that well but now whatever this is 10 years after that um realizing that like if i remember in that that blog post in this podcast that we talked about earlier i said like if your if your definition of fitness has left you out of shape then you probably need to change that definition and so for me that's what this was about running like if for me running and training for races means having to do the traditional way of putting in all these long runs on weekends, then I'm not going to do it. And then I'm not going to become a run. I'm not going to be in shape mm-hmm. like I would be. And so changing that to say, well, running can be something different than that, or training for races can look differently than that. Um, you know, that's what has enabled me to be really excited about fitness again. So, uh, you know, the, the punchline here, I don't have any race results to report or anything yet. Um, but I've been for like four weeks now, been doing these things. I do one or two workouts every day. There's always an interval workout. Um, there's the often days there's an interval workout and then a CrossFit style workout. I'm not going to any CrossFit box or anything. I'm just doing the ones that are in this book, um, which is by the way is called The Unbreakable Runner by T.J. Murphy and Brian McKenzie, the CrossFit endurance guy. Um, a lot of strength training, a lot of kettlebell work, kettlebell work. I'm adapting, you know, trying to also incorporate my kettlebell stuff into this. Um, with with this for me has come the crossfit endurance people are really into the pose method of running um which i am learning actually is very different from the way that i was running before 
uh, I kind of thought I had decent running form before, and I, I still think it was okay. But I still had a, a heel strike for sure, a mild one, but I, I had one, and I'm trying to get rid of that. So it, before all these running workouts, I do this series of drills that takes 20 or 30 minutes, put in a good solid warm-up. Every single day I'm doing the uh, mobility work at night, which often is supposed to be just 10 minutes, but it's really easy for that to turn into 40 minutes or an hour if I'm just watching the Olympics or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels it, for me, it's like feels like I'm just back full into fitness. And I wouldn't say my, I mean, definitely my pace is for these things, which I'm tracking very carefully. And like when I have interval repeats to do, they're all at certain paces that I'm trying to hit. Um, I'm not, nowhere near like where I was when I qualified for Boston, but I have a feeling I'm, I'm much better than I was when I ran my 100 miler. Uh, so I'm feeling very good about it all. Uh, I don't really know quite where it's going to go and how, how it will go for, for any kind of like actual marathon or longer distance race when I'm actually trying to race it. Uh, but it's it just has felt very good. And I guess like before we get into any of these objections, which I'm sure there will be many, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like it doesn't matter to me whether it, doesn't work right like if i sign up for a marathon and do it and it's takes me four hours which wouldn't be honestly terrible considering that a year and a half ago i, I was doing nothing right um but if it if it turns out that like this doesn't enable me to run my fastest marathon i don't think that will be a huge discouragement to me first of all i would say well what happens if i do another training cycle uh, and put another 12 weeks in and then try again i would need to do that before i made any judgment about how this worked yeah. uh but even if I even if I became convinced that I was never gonna you know get back to three ten marathon speed or you know even long distance ultra marathon fitness, um, that really wouldn't be a a reason for me not to do it. Like I'm because I I'm, like I said like I'm actually doing workouts and like loving it and feel like I'm in shape again. So that's that's kind of the moral of my story is that like maybe this isn't the most effective way to train for a marathon or ultra, but if it's one that has all these other benefits that makes you in general fitness a lot better and makes me want to be running at all then for me it's like the perfect you know thing to have found at this phase so so i think fundamentally the question that comes to my mind is you're not you're not training for an ultra marathon you're just like you're going through this program right but you don't have a race picked out you don't have a distance picked out right so like what's exciting to you is just feeling like you're in shape right and having a a diverse exercise routine right or no that is that is not quite right because i do have races in mind i'm not signed up necessarily for any there's one i did sign up for but i'm very likely i will not do it Mm -hmm. i just signed up because i was able to get a spot and i just figured i'd try and i did so i'm not not talking about what it is yet um but i need to have that i gotta have something at the end that's like it's like once i have that in mind it's like then that's what enabled me to find this and start doing it. Because these, these are training plans that are like, you know, they lead up, they do gradually get longer runs. Uh, and by the way, side note, like, it's not no distance running they're doing. Like, like every weekend for the next four or five for me is like a half marathon distance run at, at you know, 80 to 90 to 100% of what I am able to do that distance at. Mm-hmm. So that that's hard effort. Uh, and that's that's some decent mileage and done at a much higher intensity than it used to be. So it's not that I'm, you know, it's not that there's no <clears throat> long running. It's just not at at a, the slow, relaxed pace that a lot of, you know, typically for me, marathon or ultra marathon training was. But anyway, so yes, there there has to be a goal here for me that's sort of on the horizon that like maybe I'll end up doing if this all goes well. Okay, all right. So, well, then I take it back a little bit, but same same vein, right? If you didn't wake up and say, "I want to run a marathon or an ultra marathon." You woke up and said, I want to, or correct me if I'm wrong, I want to improve my fitness, be fitter, and also, you know, check an ultra marathon box. I think that'd be fun to, to experiment with. Yeah. So to, just to clarify that a little bit more, it was the fact that I had had this year of kettlebell fitness, mm-hmm. which didn't involve a big aerobic piece other than what might happen as a, as a side effect of this type of lifting, which I would like to get into later. But... I had that, and then I thought, you know, I still have have this vision of, like, it'd be so cool to, like, get in the best shape of my life, whatever that means, and I still don't even have a precise definition, but it was, like, what I have built is a solid base over the past year, but I want to, like, you know, be able to lift more and do more and look better and be faster, be able to be able to run, you know, a long race distance at a, at a decent pace, not maybe not my fastest ever, but feel like I'm in racing shape, 
so yeah, just sort of building that other component of, of fitness. Yeah, so so I guess like to me, honestly, this makes a lot of sense if the goal is to be in really good shape and also, you know, part of that is is running a, a 50K or, or whatever. Uh, but the other part is being able to lift more and, you know, I mean, it, like it makes sense as kind of like this holistic way to kind of achieve strong fitness, mm-hmm. right? But right. what I'm struggling with is if I if I was like, I really want to like, really want to run my first ultra marathon or I really want to run my first 50, 50 miler. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this would be exciting for me at all because it's like all this stuff that's not necessarily helping me achieve that goal, right? <laughs> it, so I, I agree with almost all that. The, the not helping you achieve the goal part is the part that the CrossFit endurance people would argue with. Right. Their, their thinking is that, and, and they actually say this, that like the longer your distance, the more appropriate this is for that kind of training. Like for a 5K sort of thing, they think this is probably not as good as uh, you know, more running mileage and you know, just a much bigger focus on running. But that all this building of strength through these CrossFit CrossFit workouts, um, that they think that's going to kind of hold your body together, prevent you from getting injured, all these things that that are you know a, a bigger part of marathon running than they are, or marathon and, and beyond running than they are uh, for a five k. So it's not that these things, you know, are just meant for fitness and to have running be a nice little thing you can do. Like CrossFit endurance, CrossFit endurance is about training for the race distance. Uh, but it's about doing it in a way that, that, you know, like I said before, like kind of has other fitness benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, in, in their mind is a smarter way to train, not necessarily the better way for the fastest result you can get. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause I, I don't, there's not too much argument that if you want to go put in a hundred miles a week, that's a better way to get your ultramarathon goal done. Assuming you don't get injured, which is a big, big question. Um, but yeah, but like, can this can this get that done in a way that that is less likely to result in injury and more likely to leave you with with more strength so is it less likely likely to result in injury i mean you know if you're doing two workouts a day all high intensity if you're doing 13 miles every week for 5 weeks at 90% of your capacity like like maybe it's less likely to result in a running injury, but are you le- actually less likely to result in injury? I'm sure they would say so, but you know, what what's your what's your take having right? And that's a, that's a great question. Like I, for me, the criticism of CrossFit, our friend Jason Fitzgerald uh, always was very anti CrossFit guy. Not not necessarily like from a running perspective, just talking about CrossFit uh, as a as a fitness tool was that it had a very high injury rate. Mm-hmm. And what I've the the answer to that that I've seen from the CrossFit people is that they there are like huge variation in the in the way the different boxes are run and that a lot of that like com- that hyper competitiveness like it shouldn't really even be allowed or that hyper not hyper competitive but like people being too gung ho and just you know going big too fast like apparently a lot of them have like a ramp up program where for the first month you're doing something much different than what actual crossfit is um and so i don't know i think to me like this falls into what i tend to believe it's true of a lot of things. Like if you start doing plyometric training, for example, with running, uh, I think you're, you're, if you just jump into that, just like, just like if you jump into, you know, minimalist shoe running, like you're, you're kind of likely to get injured in that beginning phase if you're not taking it slow enough. But once you get over that hump and this has become a part of your routine and you're six or eight or 10 weeks in, and now this is comfortable and you're up to the full amount, um, then I think your injury chance is lower than it was before that. Uh, because you know you've you've developed this ability to handle these new types of exercises, and because of that, your body's adapted, and, and now you're stronger. So I think that's what it is. Um, I'm definitely cautious about that, and I am concerned about that, especially if I'm trying to learn this pose method running, because now I'm also doing, you know, like yesterday I did five k like at five k pace, and I did it not really trying to, but like I'd been on doing all these pose drills, so like I just sort of fell into to this pose form, which I thought was a good thing. I was like, well, that's good. I actually feel more comfortable doing this this pose form, landing more on my forefoot than I do with my default form. Like I can feel that it is helping me run faster. But then at the end of it, the bottom of my shins was like, they were, you know, they were just kind of bothering me. And I thought, probably not an injury yet, but if I go and do 12 miles next week mm-hmm. like that, you know, I might get a stretch fracture again. Who knows? Which I used to deal with all the time. Um, so yeah, it's so like tra- changing of form 
and at the same time doing higher intensity workouts for these you know decent distance runs certainly there is there's an injury risk so i'm being really careful that's a big motivator for me to be doing the uh all the foam rolling and, and mobility work at night uh so yeah like there there is that so far so good i, I don't feel too many nothing feels wrong i feel great actually um but yeah i think that's i think that's that is a, a valid concern but like I said, I think once you're into this, and if you had the patience to get into this slowly, which I'm trying to do, but you know, with varying levels of success is how slow I can actually go. <laughs> um, I, I do think once you're into this, the injury risk goes away. Like I'm not training with with you know big heavy weights barbell. I'm not going to the gym. I'm just doing kettlebells and stuff that I have at home as far as weights go, and a lot of body weight exercise. Um, still, like these CrossFit workouts are pretty hard. Like you can you can find you know a 20 minute workout that will just kill you and only doesn't doesn't use any weight at all. Right. Just push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, run 400 meters, then repeat. Uh, and, and by the end, you're just you're just dead. And, and you're sore the next day in all these different areas. So it's not that I think you need weights to have a hard workout. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, without those, I think there's probably a slightly reduced chance of, of injury, at least in this in this learning phase that I'm in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have my biggest objection, which, is, which we should uh, tackle after we take a break to thank our sponsors. We've teamed up with Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well, with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. Go to greenchef.com slash nomeat130 and use code nomeat130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. Green Chef provides the most sustainable meal kits by offsetting 100% of their carbon footprint and emissions. Big hot button issue for, for Doug Hay. Plus, right. their pre-portioned ingredients mean you'll actually reduce your food waste. Another one for you and our last guest, Carly Bodrug, mm-hmm. by at least 25% compared to your grocery shopping. Green Chef makes cooking easy so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals. Doug, I mentioned the, the environmental benefit of Green Chef. Is that, uh, am I right in saying that that's, that's a big selling point for you? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're right. There's zero waste on these because you use every every ingredient you get. Um, uh, zero food waste because you use every right. ingredient you get, and uh, and we have gobbled up every meal that we have gotten. We had got a most recent Green Chef box maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, and it uh, knocked it out three nights in a row because we had three meals. Yeah, and, yep, uh, and they were delicious. They're good. They were, and all the bags and different components can be recycled and you know they give you instructions for all of it uh and it it seems like quite a quite a low waste 100 percent carbon footprint emissions offset thing <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. uh but yeah i mean as i always say when we when we do ads like these the the huge benefit of these is that then you don't have to plan the meals because the, for me the cooking of the meals even the cleanup never that big a deal it's that figuring out what the meal is going to be and getting the ingredients for it that's that's like ninety percent of the work as far as you know, not not in any literal sense, but like that to me that's ninety percent of the of the job done. If you can get that stuff done, the rest of it, it takes care of itself. So that's what Green Chef does. Um, you know, they, they send you the recipes of that week, uh, and they send you the the ingredients that are not entirely prep, but but kind of some of the prep already done for you. Uh, so that all you've got to do is is put it together, and and you know you've got a home cooked meal that tastes and eats just like a home cooked meal. It doesn't see this isn't some microwave you know fake thing this is, no. this is you're really cooking it with green chef you get hand-picked organic veggies and premium plant-based protein so you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got on your table which is pretty much what i just said go to greenchef.com slash no meat 130 and use code no meat 130 to get 130 dollars off plus free shipping all right all right doug i know you i'm ready for the ready for the hot seat this is your the big objection this is this is the big objection uh okay. and all right, I'll just come out and say it. Matt, you can do this because you have run a lot of these before, right? Your body knows how to run long distances. It knows yeah. how to handle, how to fuel a 50-mile race. It knows how to uh, get through the mental challenges of being out there for six hours, seven hours. It knows yeah. when to walk and when not to walk. Um, like... I just I can't imagine doing a fifty mile race having never run more than thirteen miles. <laughs> I know. Like no matter how fit I, I am, either. you know, <laughs> I can't either. I think I think that is a totally valid objection. Uh, it doesn't apply to me because of what you said. I've already been a runner, and I do think at least like this book, uh, Unbreakable Runner, 
a whole lot of it. They're, they're just kind of talking about how bad like the the status quo is as far as what what running looks like. And I, and I, you know, even coming from that background, like I think a lot of it is very true. The number of runners that get hurt, the number of terrible forms you see at at running events, just especially in the, in the second half of a marathon, for example. <laughs> sure. Uh, and the damage people are doing to their bodies with that awful form. Um, so a lot of it is about like that. But they're talking to you. They were talking to me when I read this, as if it was like, so you've done all that before, and mm-hmm. here's a better way. So I. I I kind of sense that with the tone they take that they are aiming this at people who've already had a bunch of experience running and they're saying, here's a better way to do it. But I think that's a really good point. And I'm sure there are plenty of first timers who jump into this. You know, you read the four hour body book. If that was your, your gateway into this, the, the promise there is like, look, you can, you can do ultra marathons without having to do ultra marathon training. You just, just do this and then you can go do it. Uh, I think that is, that's definitely a, a very flawed premise for exactly the things you said. Like the, the surely, there's there's a lot of lessons you learn in the process of running long runs. Um, some of them about, you know, like you said, when you need to walk. Others just more kind of like experience, knowledge kind of things like what to eat and what works uh, for you in particular and kind of warning signs of when it's not going well. Like, there's you know, there's so many years of, of that, that that I have that I think might enable this to work. But uh, I, I do completely agree that for a first timer, this would be a strange way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not to say that like you couldn't do it, right? I mean, people people run marathons having never run more than ten k, you know, all the time, you know, right. and and right. and people run ultra marathons having never, you know, having not trained for it. Um, but and you can get through it. And there's a there's a way to get through it, and then there's a way to get through it and actually not like be completely miserable the entire time or walk the last four hours, you know. Right. Um, right. And uh, and that's not to and. You know, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is this, I think that this probably will work for you and I'm excited to see what races you sign up for and maybe I'll even join you for one and see if you can beat me, um, which, which I'm probably pretty confident you can at this moment. Um, uh, but yeah, but it, it definitely like the idea of, of a first time ultra runner, um, just going through a program like this, it, it seems like a total miserable experience for them. <laughs> race day seems race like a day experience. yeah race day yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a good that's a, a really good point um i do think if you were like brand new to running and you wanted to come at it through this crossfit endurance way like you wouldn't just jump into an ultra marathon or you shouldn't just jump into an ultra marathon as your first one like you should you should they have in this book they have 5k 10k half marathon like you could do all those things mm-hmm. before you get up to the to the ultra marathon distance you still by the time you run that first 50 miler your only marathon distance run will have been your marathon that you did, you know, 12 weeks earlier or whatever. Um, and, and likewise for all the other distances, you won't have done much at the actual race distance. Uh, so yeah, so you will not have the, the depth or the, the amount of experience that a typical runner would getting to that distance, but you'd have some, I mean, you'd have some of these longer runs to, to learn things like that. Um, but yeah, super valid concern. I think I actually have two, two others. The thing that, that I mean, not in any literal sense, because I'm already doing that. The thing that keeps me up at night is, uh, <laughs> is, is like if I, like what is the benefit of the long, slow distance running, and can I actually be getting that benefit from, you know, the 20 minute workouts instead that are that are higher intensity, high heart rate. The the claim is that you can improve your aerobic base through anaerobic workouts like these. That's that's what a lot of this is kind of based on, but I think your point is really good. That if I, even though it was nine years ago that I did my hundred miler and and you know more years that, that I did all the other running, it was all nine plus years ago. Um, I I have this sense that during that entire time I never entirely lost in aerobic because I still did plenty of stuff. You mm-hmm. know, I, I just wasn't running. I I would I was certainly inconsistent. But I played soccer. I went through periods where I would even do like hill training for a month or two, and I would like I'd do hill runs. They'd only be two and three miles each. They'd be these interval workouts, but like I kept a a general fitness most of the time, and so I I had this sense that that like I still have some aerobic base left over from these days, and perhaps perhaps some of what we call an aerobic base, and, and this is now me not being scientific at all, but perhaps some of what I've always referred to as an aerobic base is what you said that your body's gotten efficient at running 
Not not necessarily because you're you know more fat adapted, which is kind of more what we think about when we talk about an aerobic base, but you know the sort of neural connections and your your brain just getting more efficient, and because you've taken so many running strides, your your brain gets a little bit better at knowing exactly how to do that and how to efficiently recruit muscle fibers and all that. So I have a sense that I still have a lot of that. Um, so I'm not terrified about this, but I do wonder as I think about ultra marathon training, like I don't know, just missing out on on as you said when we talked about this a couple weeks or months ago um like you know like when you're out there for a two-hour run it there are some adaptations that are are happening that you can feel and like they're different like how you feel at the end of that is different from how you feel at the end of a 30-minute run that involved a whole lot of hard sprints Mm -hmm. like it's not that you worked harder during the the two-hour run but you have a different type of of soreness and tiredness and i think it's more of a skeletal kind of adaptations that might happen at those at those longer distances um so i don't know you know like the crossfit thing like like i said there's lots of these these 10k to 10 mile workouts or 12 mile workouts where i think you're getting a lot of the benefits of like a tempo run um and there are these shorter distances the 400 and the 800 meter repeats where you're getting those benefits of of that even shorter track workout that more like that vo2 max benefit um so like i don't think it's missing out on a whole lot of components but the big question is like do do these shorter distance components translate into some of the benefit from that longer distance thing right and and that's the one that is kind of unknown for me uh i don't know i definitely in that in that five hour run that i did uh after about i don't know 20 miles maybe 15 miles i just felt really sore in a lot of places i was just not you know (laughs) my, my my lungs felt good i felt like i was prepared to do this but i just felt like my body would just like just started just screaming in pain um so, you know, I, I don't know. Those those are definitely unknowns for me. The other big one, and this is like this is like a whole different dimension that I kind of wish I wasn't worrying about, <laughs> is the kettlebell guy who I've been so into, Pavel Tsatsulin. Yep. Uh he has this book Simple and Sinister, which has been just just a game changing like fitness program for me. It's it is extremely like minimalist in terms of how much you have to learn to do it and like but it's also very there's a lot of nuance as you like kind of read more and think more and like it's just been a great way to spend a year of fitness. Um, he's he's like completely against the idea of workouts that build up lactic acid. He thinks it's useful in very small quantities once you have a base established. Only after like six months of the program did I begin doing once a week. This is back in the kettlebell year last year. Um, only after like six months of doing the program one way did I introduce a once a week kind of sprint workout where you're doing something difficult and trying to get it done within a compressed time frame. Um, because he's so cautious about lactic acid and, and the damage it does. And like the rest of it, the rest of his training is called anti-glycolytic training, which is based on this old Russian methodology and, and this, his company strong first is kind of now sort of trying to, I think, spearhead the, the reintroduction of this into a lot of fitness programs. Um, but their idea is that that you can basically, basically like the type of strength workouts and kettle workouts that he has you doing, they're kind of the analog of long, slow distance running, where, you know, like it is it is known that that's the best way to train as far as like getting a good time if you can avoid injury. The best way to get those adaptations is to put in that long, slow mileage. So basically keeping your your heart rate and and your breathing rate and everything under that that lactic acid threshold. But you can't really do that very well with strength training because as soon as you you know start lifting a weight in thirty seconds or a minute, you're going to be over that threshold. Right. So the way that that some scientists you know who in Russia had figured out how to do this was was actually just like keep the basically make the rest periods long enough, like do the thirty second work sets or the fifteen or twenty second work sets, and then rest a pretty long time, three four minutes sometimes, um, to to get your heart rate down. But so that your heart rate for most of this time, other than maybe a short little spike, is mostly staying under your threshold and as a result of this and you do 30 40 minute workouts you get something that isn't all that different from the experience of of running slow and easy for that amount of time uh but for me just way more tolerable than going and doing that um so that's what he's all about and he's and he over and over talks about how bad these metcons and hit workouts and and crossfit stuff how how bad that is and how it undoes all the all these other fitness gains and the, these other things are like apparently stimulating growth of mitochondria and making your cells more more efficient at you know power stuff that I don't understand as far as science goes but that that then you go do a crossfit workout the next day or later that day 
And in many ways, you're erasing those benefits um, because you're flooding your muscles with lactic acid. And, you know, the CrossFit Endurance Plan has, has I don't know, in a given week, three or four runs, including like Tabata sprint type stuff, and six or so CrossFit workouts. So like, you're, I mean, you're just having lactic acid the entire time. This <laughs> is <laughs> so, constant flow of lactic right. acid right and i and like his argument and and this is might be what underlies if there is truth to the claims about crossfit leading to injury over time like this this is why it, it's not maybe necessarily the the competitiveness and like the you know having some sort mm-hmm. of uh traumatic event that happens when you're in the middle of a lift but but rather this like over the long term he says it's just unsustainable to train in that kind of way maybe there are crossfit people who, like I'm, i am not a crossfit person at all so i don't know Certainly, there's probably some good counter arguments to this, and I have not read them to be honest. Um, but that's my other concern: is like, is it too much of this stuff? So, so to be honest, a lot of these CrossFit workouts, I'd say probably half of them in a given week, I'm replacing with these anti-glycolytic kettlebell workouts that I've been doing over the past year. So now I've got this other variable: like now I'm not even doing what the CrossFit endurance <laughs> people want me to do, and I have my own self-styled program here that involves a lot of kettlebell training to minimize the lactic acid, but keep the strength. So, you know, there is a lot of unknowns here, but like I said, like I'm kind of okay with that because I'm still able to make progress in the kettlebell thing. and I don't want to give that up by any means. I want to keep moving towards the goals in that book. Um, I don't know. You know, it's good for me because of the fitness is happening and I'm talking about this passionately and I'm interested in this and I'm working out. So like, it's all, it's all good so far. None of that is my question, but I do have still some serious doubts as to about how well this is going to work for, for, you know, accomplishing a race goal. Yeah. Well, sounds like all that stuff should keep you up all night. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. It does. Uh, just kidding. Well, no, it does because I know how painful it is, and I know that I'm like, I, I don't, I don't like to quit races. Nobody likes quitting races. We had a whole episode about when you when you dropped out of one race. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a horrible feeling, and it's a horrible feeling to be thinking about that while you're suffering. So, like, that's what I'm afraid of. Right? If I if I get into an ultra marathon. I don't want to be 30 miles into a 50 or 60 miles into a hundred and be like, I can't go another step because I've done that before and, and I've toughed it out and, and hated it in one of my 50 miles. It was awful. Yeah. Well, so I, it's funny. It's funny that it's funny that I can, I can have those fears for, you know, 16 or 12 weeks or whatever, <laughs> just for one day or one four hour period where it'll feel like that, but it's bad. <laughs> Well, I mean, I would say, you know, if you're going to do it, you got to be confident in it. You know, and I mean, confidence is such a huge part of training for anyone and that type of thing is just feeling like what they're doing and believing in their training and trusting that it's going to get them to the finish line. So if this is the training you're choosing, own it and feel confident in it. And, uh, right. And well, my, my solution short of, short of that, <laughs> since that seems, uh, that seems hard <laughs> is picking races that have nice nice kind of bailout options where <laughs> where it's like like this time this five hour race like there's no, yeah, there's no right. quitting if it is to feel like walking i'll start walking um and i'm trying to pick other races that have different distances so that so that if i want to stop at a certain number of k's i can and uh <laughs> feel like i'm all right <laughs> i'm just not really i'm just not willing to yet bet on this you know i don't i don't know if it'll work and i don't i don't know yeah <laughs> well i mean it's all right so one one more question and then a closing statement from Mr. A. Um, okay. You know, you talked a lot about the intensity of these workouts and, mm-hmm. and, you know, very few people are, are going through a real intense, like a real training cycle for an ultra marathon for longer than the, you know, 16, 20 weeks that, that the, that the plan would be, you know, you usually you would take a break for a while and, and then kind of get into another one. But, you know, I will say that, you know, when, when I was racing a lot, you know, racing five times a year or something like that, I was kind of consistently maintaining a set number of miles per week and a couple of solid long runs every month. Um, you know, just really kind of maintaining that and feeling good and confident that I wasn't overdoing it, um, too, you know, too much anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. do you think that this is something that is a 12 week period and then you, and then you stop for a while or, or could it actually be something rather somewhat sustainable that you do for, you know, six months, 12 months? Um, that's a good question. Like knowing, knowing me in particular and my attention span for these kind of things, I, I can't keep up 
this amount of interest in fitness. Mm-hmm. If I if I didn't know better, I would think I could because I mean, in the past I've thought I could. I thought well, this is great. I love what I'm doing. This is awesome. Every day I want to think about this. I can do this for the rest of my life. Now I know better. That doesn't it doesn't last. This level of intensity of something to me only can last a couple months. So when I get to the end of this program, do a race if I do one. Uh, I have a feeling that after that, it, it's possible that I'll be so excited about the results that I'll sign up for something else, and I'll and then I'll you know begin again. Um, more likely, what I'm imagining I'll do is I'll get back to the kettlebell thing that I really like, and to me, is still sort of the foundation of all this training because uh, I still want to make a lot of progress with that, and that's only three or four times a week, whichever one you want it to be. Uh, and like I said, involves the one <clears throat> kind of sprint workout each week, but otherwise, it's this anti-glycolytic thing, which is which is, it's not, not easy work, but it, to me, those workouts are easy to, to handle because they're, there's long rest periods and they're, they're pleasant enough and they're fun. And I could, I could, you know, it's fun to see progress. Yeah. So I think I'll, I'll head back to that after this. I hope that I'll like, <laughs> it's funny. I, I hate, I, I really don't like long running. I just, I just don't. Mm-hmm. But as I've done this pose thing, like I really like, I don't like it because it's mindless. And I don't, I don't really like it being it being something where I want to disengage my mind from it and have to do some other activity to keep me from focusing on how bored I am or how uncomfortable I am or whatever. Um, but like, as I've done the pose thing, like I actually found the other day I did a 10 mile run and I was planning, I did, it was three, like three mile loops around my house. And then I was going to do this other thing, but I, or, and this other mile at the end. And after the first loop, I planned to pick up my phone and listen to a Blinkist thing. Cause I, was trying bleakest and so but i didn't at the end of the because i actually was happy and i was like this is good i was thinking about form and i was just excited about the racing and stuff and i don't know i didn't i didn't need it so i did the whole 10 miles without any without listening to anything and that is that is new territory for me uh and so i i kind of wonder if if like by making running to me a little bit more of a skill that i am trying to learn and trying to learn this new this new form um I don't know. Maybe it'll be like something that's interesting enough that even once I don't have a race on the schedule right now, I can like, you know, do a couple times a week, maybe even now and then do a 10K or 10 mile on the weekend and kind of maintain that level of base. I don't really know. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in that, but just this one experience kind of had me thinking maybe maybe this is different than how it used to be. Treating it more as a skill to be developed than something where it's like my running is what it is and now I just need to put in the time. Right. Um, Right, right. Because that was my problem with it, I think. Yeah. So that actually segues kind of into my closing thoughts, um, <laughs> which are, I, I so obviously, you know, someone like uh, Jason Fitzgerald, who uh, knows the science of running incredibly well, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he's going to have a number of holes to poke in, in any sort of training philosophy, um, mm-hmm. you know, any, any philosophy, but for me, I think, and, and probably like the general ultra running community, I would say, uh, and kind of the general endurance community, what, what, what I think pushback comes from deep down, if I'm, if I'm being honest with myself, is that I just don't, I just don't like get it. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) I, I love, like what I love about ultra running is, is the adventure big days, you know, or the, Mm you know, they kind of getting, uh, getting, going away for three hours and forgetting about everything else and being able to just kind of enjoy the simplicity of, of running through the woods or, or wherever I am. And, uh, and that's like, it's just so, uh, it's, it's such a positive experience for me, especially when I'm, when I'm fairly well trained and, and everything. And, And if I can, and even when I'm like in a strict training plan where I'm having to hit certain days and maybe I don't want to get out there and actually do it by the time I get out there and do it, I'm always, always come home feeling so refreshed and so rejuvenated. So the idea of kind of hacking that into this really intense stuff that for me would be way more uncomfortable than, than running, you know, running 90 minutes at 90, 90% capacity versus uh, three hours at, 65 percent capacity you know like mm-hmm. like that uh that three hours sounds way more pleasant pleasant and pleasurable to me than than the intensity of of a 90 minute you know 13 mile run and so like i i think i just don't i just can't really connect with the like motivation behind it i i do understand the the drive to um 
be super fit and have like well-rounded fitness. I'm, I'm, I'm in that mindset right now. And, and I'm, and I, I agree with that you know, or I can connect with that, but I can't so much connect with wanting to kind of hack the ultra marathon experience into, um, into this kind of higher intensity, lower, lower distance mm-hmm. training that you're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, yep. That makes sense. I think I'm, I'm not really in a camp here. Cause I like, I don't have that, as I've said uh, that, you know, that, that running thing that, that makes me like a quote unquote runner. Um, so, so because of that, I'm, I'm not in that camp and I'm also not in the CrossFit camp. I just, I just have serious doubts about some of the claims. Um, what I think, I think like, the, like, like with anything, like with any diet or anything else, when, when people, when there's, when there's something that is like suddenly, you know, trying to, to turn upside down the, the things that have forever been the tenets of this thing, like you have to do like the gospel of running, you have to do long, slow distance running, um, I think it's a I think it's a big threat to people who who are comfortable with that right who who enjoy that and like you know it's it's a convenient nice thing that that happens to be thought of as the best way to train because like you said for most runners that's a that's a good thing people enjoy going and do that so to, to be able to do that and be training in the most effective way possible um, when someone comes along and says oh this way that you like that's actually not the most effective way uh, that's you know that's that's threatening and i think that like this this approach this this thing was met with a ton of resistance in like 2012 or whatever when when brian mckenzie was doing media and stuff around it um which i didn't really know then but i've read it now uh people hated it i mean it's it's just sacrilege that you would say these things yeah so so i think um that's that's a big part of it and and i think a lot of the answer comes down to this this huge distinction like i said between what is the best way to train if you have if you have I don't know let's say let's say twenty five or thirty hours a week to train mm-hmm. like someone who's a who's an elite runner does um, versus what's the best way to train if you have you know much less five hours a week to train right and and I think CrossFit is saying and, and so but what a lot of ultra marathoners or, or marathoners do is they they say well I'm only going to train for the five or eight hours a week that I have allotted for training in my schedule and it makes sense for me to do what the people running 30 or 40, 40 hours a week, I guess no one's running that much, but people who are training those kinds of hours, I'm just going to do what they do, but I'm going to do that in my hours. Mm-hmm. And this whole, this CrossFit endurance philosophy is saying that that's not the best way to, to train in, in five or eight hours a week. There's a, there's a better way than what someone would do who had much more time. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the crux of it. Like I said, I don't have a closing argument because I don't, I don't know if it works. I just, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um, because it's the only thing that allows me to be a runner because I just couldn't handle that. Well, and, and I think that's great. And, and I guess that's what I was trying to say is, is not that like, I, you know, I have some, I have some concerns, especially for a new, a new runner, but, yeah. but really like, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, what the pushback is more just like, I don't get it. And I think that that's, um, or I don't get the appeal. And and I think right. that that's, right. that's probably the problem with a lot, like you were saying, you know, a lot of the kind of global pushback when, when this first became a thing was people just feeling resistant to uh, something unusual and different uh, and and that they just didn't understand much less or not so much that there's no science behind it or that there's no that it wouldn't be successful for certain people so i'm admitting that uh that i think it's great for you and that because it's getting you excited and that it might be great for a lot of people um but it's it's not you know, a lot of times you'll tell me something you're working on. I'm like, oh man, I could see myself doing that. <laughs> this isn't <laughs> right, one of them. Right. right. Well, that makes sense. I think, yeah. I mean, when someone comes along and says, here's a better way to do, you know, what you're doing. Like like someone comes along and says, here's a new diet and it'll make you lose much more weight. Oh, and by the way, you can also can eat all this bacon and all these other things. You know, like if, <laughs> if it's if it's supposedly better and it sounds really more comfortable than what you're doing or more enjoyable than what you're doing, people buy into that like crazy. But when someone comes along and says, here's a better way to do this thing you've been doing all this time. And it's this thing that you don't like that that's much harder, like giving up all animal products, for example. People people don't want to hear that, right? Like that's that's not that's not not accepted by mm-hmm. by the masses. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's the same thing. I'm not putting this in either camp of whether this is paleo or plant based. Actually, it's CrossFit, so it's more paleo. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying whether this works or doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like that. I think that explains the the complete you know polarization of or the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever the word would be, the, the way this has polarized people. 
Uh, so anyway, but but right, you know, I I do I really think if if it gets you excited, if it gets anybody excited, like the best thing anyone can do is actually just go out and do something that, yeah, that makes them happy. Exactly. Yeah. That and that that's why it's it's. Although I said there are things that give me some, I said keep me up at night. Uh, there's no question in my mind that this is right for me right now because this is this is, has me has me exercising and everything. Yeah. So it's it's the right thing for me. Well, I can't wait to I can't wait to see how it turns out and uh, and do an, a recap episode after whatever race yes. you decide on. After whatever it is. <laughs> All, right. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye.